You are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland, Maine. Show summaries are available at doctorlisa.org. Download and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial through iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are some highlights from this week's program. This philosophy about play at work really is about injecting that same sort of focus and enthusiasm for what it is that you do. And when you do it, all of a sudden something else happens. It becomes really enjoyable. It takes kids 15 tastes to like something. We give it to them once and they won't eat it, but doesn't mean they won't eat it the fifth time or the sixth time. It's pretty remarkable to witness that shift. Sometimes as parents, we kind of project on our kids things that we would like to do or uh, schedules that work for us, and they simply don't work for the child. And so it's really important that you understand your child and their personality, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, um, even personalities, extroverts versus introverts. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin at Remax Heritage, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Marcy Booth of Booth Financial Services, UNE, the University of New England, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Apothecary by Design, and The Body Architect. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 52, Back to School, airing for the first time on September 9th, 2012, on WLOB and WPEI Radio, Portland, Maine. Today's show features Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial and also Currency Camp, Maggie Knowles and Elizabeth Frazier of Kids Gone Raw, and Travis Wiggett, Licensed Clinical Professional Counselor. As our listeners may know, this is our 52nd show, which means we're almost at a year, and we're pretty proud of it. We know that many of you are going back to school yourselves, or perhaps are bringing your own children back to school, and we know that here at the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour, education is an ongoing process. We're constantly looking for people who can enrich our lives with their insights and their experience. And this is what we think we're doing today with Tom Shepard, Maggie Knowles, Elizabeth Frazier, and Travis Wiggett. So whether you get information from Tom Shepard about how to educate your children on financial issues, whether you decide, maybe I'll try some raw foods after listening to Maggie Knowles and Elizabeth Frazier, or whether you get insight from Travis Wiggett about some of the emotional issues surrounding going back to school, we know that you're enriching your own life and being a part of our community, so we thank you for that. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is pleased to be sponsored by the University of New England. As part of our collaboration, we offer a segment we call Wellness Innovations. The University of New England recently hosted a ceremony to celebrate the construction of its patient care center. This will be the clinical home of the University of New England's College of Dental Medicine Teaching Clinic and Dental Simulation Facility, and will provide space for the University of New England to explore new models of interprofessional healthcare education and practice. 
the Patient Care Center will be the first facility of its kind in northern New England, combining comprehensive dental education with high-quality delivery of oral health care, as well as clinical training space for patient-centered primary care. For more information on the Patient Care Center and the University of New England, visit une.edu. This portion of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast has been brought to you by the University of New England, UNE, an innovative health sciences university grounded in the liberal arts. UNE is the number one educator of health professionals in Maine. Learn more about the University of New England at une.edu. We on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast have long understood the connection between health and wealth and understanding one's money and understanding where one gets riches in the world that aren't just money. The nice thing is that from the very beginning, we've had with us Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial um, as a sponsor, and he's someone who really understands things the same way that we do. He understands the connection between health and wealth. We had a conversation with him um, last year. In fact, our Health Wealth Show. So if you want to hear a more, more extensive conversation with Tom, you can go back and listen to that. But Tom's just been on a tear this year. He is, he's restructured his own business. He's restructured um, his offerings to the community. And he's all about education and health and wealth and bringing, well, the wealth of his knowledge to the community. So thanks for coming in, Tom. You're very welcome. It's good to be here again. Yeah. Tom, you used to be an educator. This is our back-to-school um, Dr. Lisa Radio Hour show. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun that you're here today. We're airing this just as kids are going back to school. Why did you decide that it was important to go, first of all, why did you decide that it was important to come from education into finance? Um, so it's funny you say I used to be an educator because I still think of myself as one. And um, But the, the, the the big decision to jump out of teaching um, math and economics at a private school, Gould Academy up in Bethel, Maine, um, came as a result of my students taking some of my personal finance classes and and suggesting to me that I should talk to their parents. And uh, I thought, gee, that sounds like a really great career. And my wife and I uh, Bethel was a little too small for both of us to, to, to have professional careers, and so we decided to go down to Boston, and I thought I would pursue this career, and, you know, 17, 18 years later, it's, it's um, now the parents saying, talk to my kids. And you have children yourself? I do. I have three, uh, 13, 11, and 8. And, um, you know, they're, they are oftentimes, I say, my biggest teachers um, with respect to what's important, what's of value, uh, how do we spend our money. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly having to make decisions and make judgments about um, how best to raise them. And at the same time, the patterns of how we do that with our children seem to also... Um, spill over into and mirror what you need to do to be successful with your money as well. Raise successful kids, be successful raising your money. Is it true that people will often follow patterns that they learned in their own childhoods? Um, Follow is one way to look at it, Um, but oftentimes what we find is that people don't just follow patterns that they might have 
picked up when they were kids, they could also get stuck in those patterns. So it's kind of an entrenchment that takes place, and then people maybe can't move forward in their lives. Right. So it's true that I said you are a former educator. I guess I that was erroneous <laughs> because yeah. this is very important to you. You're yeah. still an educator. Yeah, very much so. And I know that you educate um, your clients as they come in, mm-hmm. and you have your own organization, Shepherd Financial, that's based in Yarmouth. But you're also putting together something really interesting for kids. That's something you've been wanting to work on, wanting to do for a while. Right. Um, you know, I, when I was a teacher, I was trying to make math relevant to the kids. And um, there, there was not a fourth-year requirement for math at Gould Academy. And I felt like a lot of the kids um, were going off to college, but some wouldn't. And so I wanted to, to, to not only make math relevant, but also give them some, some real practical, personal financial stuff um, that would maybe help avert some of the mistakes, um, uh, mistakes that I made. Um, you know, credit cards and managing debt and making decisions about how to spend your money and how to save your money and how to invest your money. And uh, so we created a class um, for the kids, and um, it was great. We started off with only four. The second time I offered it, there were 17. So it clearly hit a nerve. And when I um, moved back up to Maine from, from the Boston area and got involved with the school, um, I was the finance chair. And we were talking about, hey, can we do a better job of teaching kids about money. It's a very popular topic right now. We need we need to do a better job of educating our kids about um, personal finance. And um, I've made some attempts to go into different schools and have conversations and see if we can't get that um, niche topic woven into things like history and writing and English and um, have been somewhat frustrated by that process and so we decided to go out and create our own uh, organization it's called Currency Camp Um, we are launching it you know this is almost like the launch right right here on the show Um, we've got a Facebook page um, that should go live very shortly Um, and what it is right now in its first iteration its birth is an eight-week class that we'll be teaching this fall um, and we'll take kids through um, sort of the seven different states of money and weave in some some good solid math and and make it interesting and fun and and uh, hopefully it'll be a great learning experience for for the this first group of kids that go through it where is this being held? Uh, one of the one of the things that we were really interested in doing was was not putting it in a school building, um, and so we'll be host, hosting this um, this first eight week class in a conference room upstairs at Doc's Cafe in Cumberland, Maine. And Doc's Cafe itself is relatively new, so it's, you have a lot of good very fun new, energy yeah. that's starting up there. Yeah. And what types of um, what types of kids are you looking for? Do they have and uh, what ages? Uh, I, I want to try and keep this group um, 
fairly close in age to each other. So I, I like to say that um, this first offering is for high school students only. Um, I know that there's a group beyond high school that could really benefit um, from going through this program. Um, and I'm sure that if we tailored it specifically to younger kids, it could work too. But this group is sort of going back to my roots and saying, you know, guys, here I am again, but I know a lot more now than I did 17, 18 years ago when I was offering it basically as a math class. But it's going to be a lot more than that this time. And it's important that you offer it in Cumberland because this is where you live. Yep. It's where I live. Um, my daughter's 13. She's in eighth grade. So I will not encourage her to come to this first class. <laughs> but it would be really cool if um, we could get this kicked off and, and have it become sort of a permanent fixture wherever. And she might be able to take it, say, next year or the year after. Um, we've got one um, other adult who's very interested in it, and she'll be auditing the class along with me and helping me to um, just sort of make sure it does what we want it to do. And then she might um, take over and, and, and do a second offering. So the two of us will be offering it twice, maybe in the, in the winter session, another eight-week program. Well, speaking of adults, I know mm. that you also have classes that you've put out there and seminars you've put out there for adults in the community, and you have one that's also coming up. Currency Camp starts in September? In September. So September 17th, it's a Monday night. Um, that'll run eight weeks. Okay. And then on a Tuesday night, I think it's the second week in October, um, we will be speaking at White Pine Community Church as part of their community connections program. And that also will be uh, sort of a, uh, a workshop on uh, your relationships with money. We'll return to our program after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. The Body Architect was founded on the belief that mindful exercise improves the health of the mind, body, and spirit. Housed in an open, light-filled space in Portland, Maine, the Body Architect offers a cutting-edge fitness center, expert personal trainers, nutrition counseling, and a full class schedule. Visit thebodyarchitect.com or call 207-774-2196 and get started with The Body Architect today. As you know, the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast is focused on the mind, body, and soul. Sometimes our bodies are giving us a little indication that maybe things aren't quite right. Here to talk to us about some particular things that we can listen to when our bodies are acting up is Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine. Today's diagnosis is degenerative arthritis of the shoulder and rotator cuff. Dr. John? Uh, that's a real common uh, diagnosis I have in my office, and we specialize in doing very non-invasive treatment of these areas by utilizing first an ultrasound to look into the shoulder, and if need be, we can put a small cortisone injection, recommend conservative therapy, physical therapy, or possibly do PRP. That would be taking your own platelet cells and injecting them in there. The future for us holds a new stem cell treatment that will open up in October. If anyone's interested in more information, you can contact orthocareme.com 
or call 781-9077. For those individuals who are interested in these stages of money, mm-hmm. there's there's an exciting project that you've been working on for the last year, I guess. It's now up on Facebook. Um, yeah, on Facebook, we've been um, we we were we were gonna write a book, and finding the time to write a book and the money to write a book and all kinds of other things that go into doing that. Um, it got to a point where um, we needed it to be a little bit more interactive um, and write it in smaller bits and pieces. So we're using Facebook right now to try and get some of what we have written out there. Um, And so our first sort of um, set was a series that talks about the different states or relationships that people have with their money. Uh, the second one that we did was on allowance um, and how it changes as your kids grow and age. Um, and then the one that we're doing right now is a series where we talk about um, sort of the parallel structures of time management versus money management. Um, and it's all, I guess it's it, more than anything else, it's, it's me entertaining myself and I hope other people get some value out of it. You were profiled in Maine Magazine, I think in June? Is that right? In June, yeah. And they talked a lot about sort of your view of the world and your view of your work as being impacted by um, the way that you've approached livings. You you were a lacrosse player. You're still a lacrosse player. You still play basketball. I mean, you're an adult man, but you're still sort of in the game. Do Do you feel like that's sort of the way that you're living your life is just trying to be in the game? Um, somewhere in writing about allowance, we ran across this concept of play in, in terms of a philosophy. And the, the idea is that, um, you know, kids seem the way they play is, is much more, um, you know, they're really into it. Their feelings aren't um, taken away from the play because they've got 9,000 other things to do. And um, so this philosophy about play at work really is about injecting that same sort of focus and enthusiasm for what it is that you do. Um, And when you do it, all of a sudden, something else happens. It becomes really enjoyable. Um, I know when I play um, lacrosse, and I get into that place, um, it's some people will refer to it as a zone. Um, it's really, really cool to be um, playing at that level. And it's also uh, something that happens at work. You know, there are days where I just get into that zone and you just get so much done. And um, there are times when it happens as a family. You just get into that zone. Um, and so the same thing is true oftentimes with managing one's money. Um, you know, you can try and set it up and make it happen and be disciplined. Um, you can, um, work at it, you can save, you can invest, but, but sometimes it's really just working at all those things and then forgetting about it 
that you realize that you're in the zone. And that's one of the things that we aspire for uh, our clients is, is that, you know, that your money doesn't become the thing that you obsess about all day long, um, but instead that it serves you in this way that allows you to drop it, be in a zone with it, and accomplish all these other things and, and accomplish great things. How can people learn more about playing with their money, about going back to school with you and currency camp? Where's the best place for them to go? I still think the best place for them to go, because they can get other places, is to go to our website at um, shepherdfinancialmain.com. From there, you can click on the Facebook link, and that'll take you over to uh, Facebook. Um, there's a very clean explanation of the different states or relationships that people have with your money and you don't have to go sorting around through Facebook looking for it. It's right there. Um, so I still think that's the best place for people to start if they want to learn more about us. And is that how they would get in touch with you if they were interested in becoming a client? Um, certainly our email address is there, our phone number's there. Um, but in case you don't want to get on the computer, you don't have one, um, our uh, phone number is 207-847-4032, and our email address is tom at shepherdfinancialmain.com. Thank you so much for coming in today. This is Tom Shepard from Shepherd Financial, and he's helping us go back to school. Thank you very much. A chronic ache, sleepless nights, a feeling of something being not quite right. You can treat the symptoms with traditional medications and feel better for a little while and continue on with your busy days. But have you ever stopped to consider the what that's at the core of a health issue? Most times it goes much deeper than you think. And when you don't treat the root cause, the aches, sleeplessness, and that not quite right feeling come back. But they don't have to. You can take a step towards a healthier, more centered life. Schedule an appointment with Dr. Lisa Belisle and discover how a practice that combines traditional medicine with Eastern healing practices can put you on the right path to better living. For more information, please call The Body Architect in Portland at 207-774-2196 or visit doctorlisa.org today. Healthy living is a journey. Take the first step. This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. And by Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. With offices in Yarmouth, Maine, the Shepherd Financial team is there to help you evolve with your money. For more information on Shepherd Financial's refreshing perspective on investing, please email tom at shepherdfinancialmain.com. On the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast, we are firm believers of the importance of education as it um, relates to health, and especially on the importance of education when it relates to food. So we have two very lovely guests here today with us. Um, we have Maggie Knowles and Elizabeth Frazier from Kids Gone Raw. It's kind of an exciting title. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> Thank, Thank you for having us. 
So I think of raw in different ways, but you're talking about raw food. Yes. yes. Not sushi. Not, <laughs> no, no, not raw fish per se. You're talking about raw food and raw, really raw vegetables primarily. Really, yeah. you're talking about the plant-based diet. You got it. We're talking about fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, and sprouted grains, and, and some dehydrated foods that aren't heated above 118. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What got you interested in raw foods? Yeah, I think we both have our, our own journey. I mean, mine started, I, I lost my mom to breast cancer when I was 18, and I became aware of a need to be healthy. I just didn't know what that looked like. So it's really been a lifelong journey for me. I became a pescatarian at that time, and then uh, four years ago went vegan. And then that year I was vegan, raw food just kept coming up, and I got really curious about it and decided to try it for a week, and that week changed my life, and I haven't looked back. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, and a pescatarian for those people who are listening. Yeah. So, I was a fish eating vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> for like 17, 18 years. Okay. Yeah. And, and what about you, Maggie? Um, when I was pregnant, I lost my, fl- my taste. I was never a big meat eater, but I stopped eating fish and things like that. And um, when I had my son, thinking about family and what that meant. I just couldn't bring myself to go back to eating anything that had a family. Um, And then I was introduced to raw food through one of Elizabeth's classes and fell in love with that. So I took a bunch of her classes and been friends for a few years. And then the Kids Gone Raw was born from there. And how old is your son now? Uh, Four and a half. Four and a half. Has he always been a raw vegan? He's about 85% raw vegan. Yeah. His pediatrician says he's the healthiest kid in his practice. He's never, (laughs) ever sick. So you can definitely attribute that to his diet. Well, that's an interesting question that I I get um, a lot because I eat a primarily plant-based diet, although I guess I'm more of a pescatarian myself, Mm -hmm. and occasionally I will have other protein sources. But I get a lot of questions from patients on the health aspects of eating vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where do you get your protein source? Where do you get your iron? And when you're talking about children, that's of special concern mm-hmm. because they kind of eat what we put in front of them. Right. So, exactly. And that can work to your benefit. <laughs> they will eat what you put in front of them. Exactly. There's that whole concept of um, mindless eat- eating. If you're in front of the TV, you're sitting, you're eating, eating, not really, you're not aware of what you're eating. It's the same with kids. So instead of putting chips, jelly beans, you could be putting carrots, grapes in front of them and they'll sit there and eat it not really realizing what they're eating, but they're getting the benefits from the real food. And are there specific concerns that parents have that, I mean, if you're doing Kids Gone Raw, are yeah. there, so yes, your kids will eat whatever you put in front of them, but sometimes they don't necessarily want to eat fruits and vegetables. Or are there other concerns? Well, I think kids are actually incredibly drawn to natural foods, the colors, the natural sweetnesses, um, you know, they fit in their hands. Kids are very natural beings. And I think if they're supposed to be eating that sort of food, what is unnatural is when we're forcing them to eat chemicals and um, processed foods, fats, greases, and sugars. Um, So I understand the concern where parents are like, oh, my kids will never eat that. But if you sort of switch the viewing of that, it's like, why would you want them to eat something that's been sitting on a shelf for three months that you have to microwave versus something that the earth has grown for them to eat? So I think it's more of a shift of perspective that parents have to wrap around. And I know it's hard because, you know, we do what we do. We're used to what we're used to. Um, 
but I don't know, when you step outside of it and you realize that Earth grows what we're supposed to eat, not a laboratory, then it's not scary. Yeah. And I've made some interesting observations. So I'm not a mom. I'm an auntie to 10 kids. And I spend a lot of time with two of them in particular. And I see the other ones pretty regularly. And the really interesting thing for me is seeing kids that have a standard American diet come into my home or my space or come to a party where I've prepared some food. And they just gobble it up. I mean, they are so drawn to, like Maggie said, Mm -hmm. the color, it's finger food, it's fun, it's creative. Oftentimes I have them help. Um, I babysit my two-year-old nephew and my five-year-old niece every Wednesday. And if we don't make three things in the kitchen on a Wednesday, like their day is not complete. Like they'll cry at the end, like we didn't make our smoothie yet or we didn't make our donut holes. So it's really, really cute. They naturally gravitate to it if you give them a chance. And um, it takes kids like 15 tastes to like something. So that's another thing we forget. We we give it to them once and they won't eat it, but doesn't mean they won't eat it the fifth time or the sixth time. And my little nephew, who's like I said too, he has gone from a macaroni and cheese crazed toddler, like that's all he would want, to eating my salads, eating our kale chips, and of course he loves fruit and anything sweet. So it's pretty it's pretty remarkable to witness that shift. Well, and I'm asking these questions. I'm, I, I really am on your side. Yeah, I'm yeah, asking more as the devil's advocate oh, totally and sure. because I've dealt with a lot of this in my own life because I've also done a lot of work with macrobiotics and cooking vegetables. So I've had the skeptics asking me these questions, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm wondering, you know, from your standpoint, yeah. what types of experience you've had. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you. I, I do think you're right. You put stuff in front of children, and they will gravitate towards things that are healthy for yeah. them. And I think as parents, we have to be excited about that. They pick up on that. If you're yeah. like, eat this apple, <laughs> of course they're going to not want to but if you're like look at this and you know we have a big garden and my son's out there every day picking the broccoli and the cucumbers and um, if from a young age they're learning that awareness that food where it comes from and that they can help plant it they can pick it we, we've never met a kid that won't eat something that they haven't that they've made they're so excited about it um, and that's yeah. part of what Kids Gone Raw does at the end of the day, kids are kids, and they want to eat pizza and macaroni and chicken tenders. We're not saying you have to eat sprouts to be on part of this lifestyle. Um, we take chicken nuggets, pizza, sushi, ice cream, kid favorite foods. We just make healthy versions of them. So that's yeah, why we love fun. what we do because we get you know, we're in the kitchen playing with you know <laughs> ice cream sundaes and cake, and it's just raw healthy versions of it. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled. You need attention, advice, and individualized care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. Well, we had Charlotte Clues on as a guest last um, last year at some point, and I know she does a lot of work with raw foods and has sort of these detoxification things that she does with Ayurvedic um, yeah. practices. So I think it's recognized in lots of other cultures as mm-hmm. well, and it's been around a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. It's also gotten some press recently. There are some stars that are out Mm -hmm. there in Hollywood doing raw foods. Do you think this is contributing to the popularity? 
Definitely. I think um, the more, you know, mainstream it becomes, the more accessible and easier it is for people to wrap their heads around it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a good thing. And we can all benefit from more raw food, whether it's, you know, one snack a day or one meal a day or a week of raw food. I think we all benefit from whatever we can take. Mm -hmm. And talk to me a little bit about this back to school idea. So we're sending our children back to wherever they're going to school. And obviously they're they could have school lunches, which mm -hmm. maybe are not so healthy, or they could have what you send them with. How do you create, um, give us some tips for creating things that kids will want to eat, um, sort of contrasted with the, the things that are being offered to them that their friends are eating? Well, the first thing we'll say is, um, you know, it's so cliche, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And that doesn't mean just eating in the morning. That means being very mindful of what you are eating. So, you know, chocolate milk, sticky buns, sugary cereal, bagels, bacon, eggs, that stuff are, goes in our body and our bodies want to fall asleep because they don't know what to do with it. So instead of energy in the mind learning and focusing, it's in the stomach going, what do I do with bacon again? <laughs> um, so starting your child off with a green smoothie or a fruit smoothie or you yeah, know. A, a fruit <clears throat> muesli, chopped fruit with some nuts and mm. raisins and shredded coconut, something. Something that's true energy that will help sustain them until lunchtime. Um, and then again, you flip forward after lunch, after school lunch, and kids are falling asleep in math class because <laughs> they probably missed recess because they were falling asleep. And mm -hmm. um, so again, giving them foods that will keep them sustained, um, you know, instead of a sports drink or a Red Bull, um, doing, I know a lot of schools don't do nuts, but you can do a sunflower seed milk and even put raw cacao in there. So they're still looking like they're drinking chocolate, chocolate milk. milk. They look like what Bobby down the hall is drinking. Mm -hmm. um, instead of traditional fruit roll-ups doing, you know, we make fruit leather. My son was somewhere a week ago and at a party or something and they were giving out those fruit cocktail cups of those sugary, so he's been obsessed with that. Um, and I won't buy them for them. But you can even you can make, make you can make sure. anything, chop up some pears, pineapples, cherries, yeah. and put a little pear juice in it so it looks like, you yeah, know, that theme. Yeah, from the grocery store. And anything in the processed food world, you can pretty much mimic. Um, yeah. And, and they love, you know, finger foods, colorful foods, containers, compartments. The bento boxes are really popular, and I can see why, because I love them, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love putting my lunches in them and eating out of them. So, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it doesn't have to be complicated food. Kids will gravitate to pretty simple food. So some chopped fruit, some chopped veggies with their favorite dressing. Um, you know, get cookie cutters out, shape the fruit, shape the... We make raw breads, but you could shape the sandwiches and breads mm -hmm. and... It, there's so many fun, creative things you can do. And of course, you know, you can make a, uh, a fruit pudding, you can make a chocolate pudding with avocado and some raw chocolate powder. There's mm -hmm. so many yummy, tasty things that kids will actually not want to share. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, so everyone's going to be wanting their food. <laughs> yeah. so you have a cookbook that you're working on yeah. right mm -hmm. now that's going to have some of these recipes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what's your projected timeline for that? Oh, I mean, we'd love to see it come out in spring the spring of 2013. Um, we're still working towards that. I think that that's a good goal. Good. <laughs> so our listeners who are going to put that on their calendars. Yeah. In the interim, though, you also have um, an ebook, I believe, that will be probably out when By people are September. listening. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. So it's called Smoothies Gone Raw, and um, we think smoothies are the best way. If you're interested in, in raw food, trying it, smoothies are an amazing way to 
it's sort of like the gateway drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so we have we have three sections to the book. We have all fruit smoothies, and then you can move on to your green smoothies, where you're adding, you know, your kale, your spinach, your sprouts, um, and then we also have a dessert section. So yeah, it's really fun delicious smoothies and uh, we touched on a little bit but greens are a great source of protein too so to sneak them into a smoothie that still tastes delicious is a a great way for adults and kids alike to reap the benefits of Mm -hmm. of greens it's it's cool and so this is an ebook that how can people get this on our offer website we'll have a link to it off of kidsgonraw.com kidsgonraw.com you got okay. it and we've also got a bunch of recipes up there now so they're searchable I think we posted a pizza recipe mm-hmm. um, recently so there's a, a raw vegan pizza posted mm-hmm. and we've done some fun salads and desserts and smoothies so there's a nice array right now and as we were coming in I was mentioning to you that we're going to have girls on the run they're mm-hmm. going to be in coming to talk to us um, in a very short period of time and you said, oh, we're going to run in that race, which I think is October. So that We're not running. We're giving smoothies away. Okay, okay. <laughs> we're giving smoothies away. Yes. But that just leads me to um, ask, do you feel like having a raw vegan lifestyle is compatible with having an active mm-hmm. athletic lifestyle? Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, there, there's so many vegan athletes out there and even raw vegan world-class athletes which which is really inspiring and it's fun to google them and see and see their stories because some of them have some really interesting journeys and even um the williams sisters the tennis stars have recently gone raw vegan Mm -hmm. um i forget which one i think it's serena that has uh, some sort of illness that she was um treating with a raw food diet so they're both doing that there's just so many examples of people living a really active lifestyle and and we both are very active in our Mm day-to-day life so yeah it's really possible Mm -hmm. in fact people flourish and even improve their athletic uh, athleticism i think by by giving this a shot absolutely yeah, and I have to say that in talking to you and even looking at your Facebook page, and you have a, it's a just Kids Gone Raw, that's your Facebook mm-hmm. page, so for people mm-hmm. who want to like it. I mean, there is this sense of sort of joyfulness and happiness, and it's not a sense of sort of punitive, you have to eat <laughs> raw vegan food to be punished for the rest of your life. It's more of a sense of this life force and that you're yeah. sort of embodying what you're discussing. So I think that that's a really happy and healthy um, association for people to have. Thank Definitely. you. It is so happy. And we, we never, like we said, I mean, if people want to try this one, two, three times a week, that's all they need. Once they start realizing how amazing they feel and how great their kids are, how happy and how great their kids are sleeping mm-hmm. and how even tempered they are, they're going to keep <laughs> keep it yeah, going. Yeah, it snowballs. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your coming in and talking to us about Kids Gone Raw for our back-to-school show. So we've been talking with Elizabeth Frazier and Maggie Knowles, and I hope that everybody goes to your website, downloads some recipes, and looks at the e-book, and um, likes your Facebook page. Yeah, and and we wanted to offer your listeners a little special, too. We've recently launched a line of dehydrated snacks, uh, which are really great for lunch boxes. um, We've got five flavors of kale chips and five flavors of fruit leathers and some granola too that's you know it's all raw vegan gluten-free really healthy yummy um so we've got an etsy store you can find it from our our website and we've got a coupon code for dr lisa you just enter dr lisa 
and you'll get 10% off an order through the end of October. Yay. Wow, well that is really great. I'm yeah. so glad that you're going to do that and we'll see how many people who are listening take advantage. I encourage everybody who's listening to go in there and order something, yes. put in that coupon code because we want to show Elizabeth and Maggie that we are all about the life force of food and bringing happy healthiness to the planet. Thank so, thanks you. Thanks so much for coming Thank on today. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Turn to our interview after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Robin Hodgkin, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney in Portland, Maine. For all your investment needs, call Robin Hodgkin at 207-771-0888. Investments and services are offered through Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. And by Booth accounting and business management services, payroll, and bookkeeping. Business is done better with Booth. Go to boothmain.com for more information. Well, it's September and it's school season. Many of you have children in school. They've already started back. Um, Some of you perhaps have college students who have not yet started back and maybe you just have experience with past back to school Um, issues on your own. What we know is that people often will notice changes in their kids as they're heading back to school. So we thought we would invite in a licensed counselor out of Brunswick, Travis Wiggett, to talk to us about some of the things that parents and children experience during this whole back to school season. So thanks for coming in and talking with us, Travis. Thank you for having me. Travis, tell me a little bit about your background. Where did you get your education and what, what are your qualifications? Um, I have a uh, master's degree in clinical psychology from St. Michael's College in Vermont. Um, I've been working in the field for 15 years. Uh, most of my experience is with families and children. Uh, however, my practice is really what I would call a full-spectrum practice. I work with children from the age of six um, as well as adults um, into the uh, elderly. Um, so I, I really enjoy uh, working with the full spectrum because um, you see a lot of similarities, but also a lot of differences. So it makes my practice um, interesting and challenging at the same time. What caused you to decide to go into this type of work? Um, I always had uh, a desire to help people. It was just something I enjoyed doing, and um, mostly uh, through my friends, I enjoyed talking with people and um, really hearing their story. Um, And sometimes in my practice, folks come to me, obviously, with issues or problems that they have, trying to figure out where they're going, um, what path they'd like to take, and I just really enjoy hearing their stories and trying to help them make the best decision uh, for them. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Burlington, Vermont. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Burlington. It's a college town. Um, It's really fun because you you were right on the lake and also uh, near the mountains for skiing. And um, so I actually ended up uh, in Maine for the same reasons. My my wife and I uh, moved to Brunswick about four years ago. Um, We were just looking for kind of a a similar outdoor experience and uh, have been able to uh, really enjoy uh, Brunswick and everything it has to offer. It also being a small college town, um, having access to the mountains and also the ocean has been wonderful. Did any of your family experiences contribute to your wanting to be in the field? Um, I think so. I I grew up as an only child, and so, um, you know, from that standpoint, I I was always kind of... um, 
uh, included in family decisions, I think, and, and family situations. And I really enjoyed uh, being a part of that and, and part of that process. So I think that family piece just kind of comes naturally uh, to my uh, my background and my experience. And um, I've definitely found that in my practice. I really enjoy um, trying, uh, obviously, as best I can to be um, an objective observer and, and trying to provide uh, helpful information for folks who are struggling with transitions. So speaking of transitions, this is an interesting time of year for a lot of people because they've gone from summer into fall and they're kind of starting to buckle down and go back to school and even adults are starting to go back into um, paying, well not that they weren't paying attention to their jobs, but maybe they took a little bit of a mental break. What types of things are you seeing in your practice? Well, uh, transitions cause typically a lot of anxiety in folks, um, uh, kids as well as adults, and I, especially families during this period of time. Uh, oftentimes, parents will take time off over the summer to be home with their kids, and so their transition is transitioning back to a uh, typical work schedule. Uh, kids, uh, the big transition obviously is going originally from school, which is really structured, to summertime, which is typically unstructured, back to a really highly structured structured um, program again when they enter school. Um, the difficulty becomes that, that the whole family dynamic shifts usually over the summer around those um, those issues and some folks fill their summer with summer camps and um, uh, other activities to try and fill that gap, um, which is really helpful. I always encourage families to look at what the community has to offer and to get as involved as they can in order to fill those gaps. Um, that's the I think the largest challenge is really kind of looking at what the child's interests are. Um, some kids really like the break. They like some downtime. They like to be able to relax. Um, sometimes giving too much of that actually causes the exact opposite to happen. They find themselves really bored, really antsy. Um, and so it's working with the child and the family to figure out what exactly uh, would fit their personality, what they're interested in, and try and provide a little bit of that structure. Um, I also find that when kids go back to school, one of the things that's really helpful is to try and uh, start the routine prior to school beginning. So simple things like bedtimes, uh, obviously wake up time, breakfast routines, uh, routines in the afternoon when kids get home from school. It's really helpful to start that prior to school beginning so that the families have a period and the kids have a period of time to adjust. Um, oftentimes that doesn't happen. The kids start school and then your body your, is really used to kind of the structure you had during the summer and it just isn't the same. And so they run into a lot of difficulty making that transition when they come home of like what they're supposed to do, what is the next responsibility they have, can they go out and play with their friends, um, do they have uh, practice for sports, uh, music practice, those types of things. Um, and so it's really getting a feel for that, uh, that structure because without it, uh, that transition again causes a lot of anxiety and other problems come up. Is there a relationship between anxiety and ADHD? There is. Actually, um, with ADHD, typically there are two byproducts um, that folks actually diagnose as mental health issues that go along with ADHD, uh, depression and anxiety. Often ADHD, um, uh, specifically one type in particular, an attentive type, um, is really uh, underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed um, because these kids typically are the kids that are not uh, behavioral problems in school. They don't have the hyperactive component. They are able to sit and follow instructions and um, do the tasks that are asked of them in class. However, typically their mind is a million miles away. They really only focus on the things that they're really interested in. Um, as a result, 
um, the details, the small things, sometimes uh, get missed or dropped. And they know immediately, well, why can't I do this? You know, my friend Johnny or Jenny can do it, and I can't, and I don't understand why. And so all of a sudden, they really feel different from their peers, and there isn't really an explanation for it. And so what ends up happening is they really feel unsuccessful. And so um, in my practice, I really work with, with folks around those issues to provide a structure, um, a safety net that allows the kids to be successful, that allows them to understand that, that allows them to realize that this really isn't actually a problem. It can really be a strength as well. And, and to really get to understand them and what they're capable of, to kind of hopefully reverse um, that uh, philosophy or that thought process that's created by kind of feeling different. Um, so anxiety can also be a part of that um, as well because things, uh, small details like turning in homework assignments or doing uh, really well on exams, those types of things, um, sometimes kids with ADHD really struggle with because it's not a strength of theirs. And so then all of a sudden it's the same situation. They go to a test and they know, I mean they actually know the material but they may not really know how to reproduce it because they have a hard time focusing or concentrating and they know that they're not going to do well so their anxiety increases. And we all know when anxiety increases, our ability to function decreases, um, even doing simple things. And so it, it can be a really difficult thing to, to manage. So what types of tools do you offer the people who come to see you for this behavior change that's so necessary? Often, well, it depends on what the problem is. Uh, for kids, often what I find is really talking a lot about structure, a lot about incentives, um, behavior quote, behavior plans, things that um, are really visual, tactile, uh, positive for the kids that they can earn by changing their behavior, by managing things differently. What I really find with, with kids is that what they desire is a relationship with their parents. And in today's society, that can be a challenge sometimes because parents are working. They have very little time. Um, when, in fact, research really indicates the number one behavior change for children, especially around making difficult decisions with drugs and alcohol, for example, is they, you want them to make the right decision because they know if they don't, they'll disappoint you as a parent, that you won't be happy with the choice that they made. And in today's society, that's really hard and challenging because some parents simply don't have that relationship with their child. And then they're frustrated because they don't know how to impact their behavior. And so a lot of it is really working on that relationship, developing that relationship between the child and parent. That's really interesting because I think that um, those of us who grew up in, well, pick any religious tradition, but let's just say Catholic, or I've also heard about Jewish guilt. I mean, this idea of guilt. So this, so. It's interesting that disappointment is actually a tool that, that is, use, is worthwhile. Well, it's interesting. I view disappointment a little differently than guilt. Guilt sometimes is really viewed as, as negative because it's, it's kind of almost a passive-aggressive way of getting somebody to do something. The conflict really necessarily isn't necessarily out there with guilt. It's just based on your assumption that you're making somebody feel badly. What I encourage folks to do is have those conversations. You know, bringing that out, I think, is what changes, um, you know, basically from, from guilt to disappointment. In order to be disappointed, you have to identify what the problem is. You have to be willing to have that conversation. Um, often guilt comes from not having the conversation and thinking that you've 
disappointed somebody or made somebody feel badly when in fact you haven't even really had the conversation to know if that's true and sometimes you know the traditional um, uh, mother for example who would use guilt often doesn't address what how they're feeling they kind of hold that and then will passive aggressively behave in a way to kind of get the child to change rather than talking about what the what the actual conflict is or what the issue is and I think that's the relationship piece that needs to um, really that's been helpful in families but needs to change is really being willing to have those tough conversations so you really need to identify a kind of a cause and effect and put it out there and actually use the sort of I feel when because that, that yeah the, the I feel statements are really really important because you know people aren't necessarily responsible for other people's feelings but they're responsible for their behavior. And if you really care about somebody, you're really gonna care about how they feel, what makes them happy, what makes them sad. Um, and that's really important to understand in a relationship. Um, and people, honestly, sometimes will behave in a way and not realize um, that they're impacting somebody. And the only way for that to really be clear is for that person that that behavior impacted is to actually address it and say, you know what, that really made me feel bad when you treated me that way or when you didn't call when I was expecting you to call. Um, the only way the behavior is going to change is if we identify that it's a problem and then you use the relationship really to change it. Um, if, you know, quite frankly, you uh, interact with somebody and there's a problem, um, but there isn't any relationship, the other person really doesn't care about changing their behavior because they don't really have that relationship um, that matters. And so that's a lot of the work I do with families and, and children is not only identifying the problems, but really exploring the relationship and seeing how folks interact in the family. Um, and really what kind of behaviors they, they really want to change. That's the hard part. Sometimes folks come in and there's a lot of stuff going on and we have to sit down and say, okay, what's really important? What is it that you want to change? What is it that you want to get out of coming to therapy? Um, and that's usually where we kind of create our plan and figure out a, you know, a direction to move in. Now, do you ever find that people are coming in wanting somebody outside of themselves, i.e. their child, to change when really the changes need to be happening inside them, the parent? That often happens, especially with anxiety. It's much easier. Um, when people have difficulty with anxiety, they often like to throw their anxiety onto other people. Sometimes it's called projection. We throw our feelings onto other people. And why that's effective is, especially with anxiety, is if you throw it onto somebody and they're willing to accept it, what you get is this visual behavioral response from the other person. And it actually causes the original person who had the anxiety to feel a sense of relief because they've made somebody feel like how they're feeling. And what ends up happening is that there generates now another conflict that's completely unrelated to what the original problem was. Um, and often that is a real good defense mechanism because if they're successfully able to throw it and they get somebody to react, they don't actually end up having to talk about how they feel, which makes them vulnerable. And so oftentimes folks that I work, not everybody, but you know, sometimes folks come in with an abuse history and that's really what it's about. They, they don't, it hasn't been safe for them to make their feelings vulnerable, to be vulnerable. Um, and as a result, they often will throw their anxiety and their relationship, um, well, or relationships with other people often are, are significant, significantly conflicted as a result of that. 
So that's sort of a strange bouncing mirrors kind of thing that will go back and forth then. Yeah, and the number one way to address it is just to be honest about what the problem is and resolve it, move on. And I feel like we could keep talking on and on because there's so many interesting things that you have um, shared with us today. And I've learned a lot myself just sitting here. Um, How about some pointers just quickly for talking with your children about this back to school issue, about transitions, about maybe bigger issues? What are some of the top suggestions that you could offer to parents who are listening today? Well, often at home, uh, kids' anxiety is based on um, really wanting someone to take control, wanting someone to kind of dictate how things go, what's expected. Interestingly enough, when I have a child come in that's having problem at home, one of the or problems at home, one of the first thing I I ask them is, how do you manage at school? And I, I'll say, do you have that behavior in the classroom? Do you teach, you know, treat your teacher that way? And often the child's response is absolutely not. And I'll say, well, why don't you treat your teacher that way? You know, what would happen if you talk to your teacher the way you talk to your mom? The immediate response, well, I'd end up in the principal's office. And I say, well, is that where you want to be? Well, no. So that's why I don't do it. So why do you do it at home? Because there's no consequence for that behavior. There's no structure. There's no limit. And then a consequence afterwards. And so a lot of it is really working with the families around those pieces, is really setting up what reasonable expectations are at home, a reasonable structure. So it's pretty clear to the kids what's expected, when it's expected, and if they aren't successful at following through, what the result is going to be. And that's the hard part for the parent. They have to have the strength to follow through with that. And in our busy lives today, that's a really difficult thing to do. Travis, this has been um, very helpful, I'm sure, for the parents out there, maybe even non-parents who are listening, because I think it's all about human relationships, all of the stuff you're discussing. So how can people reach you if they would like to come see you as a patient or um, know more about your practice? Yeah, my office is located um, in Fort Andros uh, in Brunswick, which is uh, right at the end of Main Street. Um, The actual address is 14 Main Street. Suite 210E, and my telephone number is 406-2697. Well, great. Thanks so much for coming in today, Travis, to talk to us about being going back to school. Thank you. You have been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 52, Back to School, featuring Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial discussing Currency Camp, Maggie Knowles and Elizabeth Fraser from Kids Gone Raw, and licensed clinical professional counselor, Travis Wiggett. For more information on our guests, please visit doctorlisa.org. We like to hear from our listeners, so please take a moment to let us know how we're doing. Send us a message on Facebook, be sure to like our Dr. Lisa page, or send us an email. Find our email on the website, doctorlisa.org. Please also be sure to thank our sponsors, as we certainly couldn't make this program possible without their financial support. We thank you for being a part of our world. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. May you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin at Remax Heritage. Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Marcy Booth of Booth Financial Services, UNE, the University of New England, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, 
Apothecary by Design, and The Body Architect. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded in downtown Portland at the offices of Maine Magazine on 75 Market Street. It is produced by Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. For more information on our hosts, production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, visit us at doctorlisa.org. Download and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial through iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details.